0: Hey everyone, so a couple days ago, another Marvel Disney Plus show wrapped up with Secret Invasion. I haven't been reviewing this show weekly, so I'm going to go ahead and review it now all at once. And the main reason for that is because two things. Firstly, I by the time I think we got past, we got to like Moon Knight and Miss Marvel, I got pretty tired of doing the episode-by-episode reviews because honestly, I didn't have that much to say. And it felt like I was just constantly recapping the episode, which I don't enjoy doing. And I wasn't really sure my thoughts. thought. I didn't really know. And it, I just got really bored doing that. And I'm sorry for all of you who enjoyed at least some of my breakdown of those episodes. But unless there's something I really, really want to talk about, I don't think I'll be doing episode by episode reviews going forward. Except for when Daredevil Born Again eventually comes out because it's Daredevil. But when it comes to Secret Invasion, before this show started, I was one of those people who was really excited for this. At least until... She Hulk came around, and I feel like at that point, all the Disney Plus Marvel hype just completely got killed. And but by the time the show started, I did my review of the series premiere, and I wasn't a big fan of it. And ever since then, I've been getting some voice messages in about how I'm wrong about my thoughts, which I think is just really interesting. But so I've been really trying to find a new perspective with the show and understand exactly what I'm missing. And I feel like since that first episode, there have been an equal number of ups and downs until the finale. And I'll get into that a bit later. But here we go again. When it, again, I'm not as down on the MCU as most people in terms of... I, there's still a lot of these movies and shows that I do want to see. None of which are coming out in the next year or so. But anyways. When it comes to the MCU, I'm getting more and more worried. Because we now have three projects in Phase 5. And I think two out of the three of them have been a misfire so I'm assuming that does I guess that kind of spoils my thoughts on this show but look let's talk about it. I'm going to be getting going into the show fully there will be spoilers everywhere I'm not going to be holding back so if you haven't seen the show this isn't really going to be a recommendation type of review it's going to be more just giving my thoughts because I need to get my thoughts out about the show because I just really need to talk about it and I honestly have no idea who even watched this show but Again, so if you want a quick recommendation, a spoiler-free one, I, don't really recommend, I can't really recommend this show for MCU and non-MCU fans, or a lot of MCU fans can eventually get to this anyways. Yes, because there are diehards, they want to watch everything, like myself. But at the same time, not only do I think this show will end up feeling superfluous in the, in the long run, aside from maybe one or two other projects, as a whole, I don't think it really works. And I'm going to be getting into all that with spoilers right here. I guess I will start off with a few positives I had with this show and a few things I liked. And I will say, overall, I was really intrigued by the promise of this show. Not necessarily the first episode, but just the idea. Having this kind of paranoia thriller set in the MCU and having this mystery around the swirls. And I will say, since they announced the show, I have read the Secret Invasion comic, which I believe was 8-ish. It was written by Brian Michael Bendis. And it was a crossover event, I believe, in either 2008 or 2009. So it involves like the entire Marvel Universe, every hero in the, in the Marvel Universe pretty much, aside from a few very notable ones, show up in it. And it's a very topsy-turvy kind of event where there's a bunch of the heroes and there's a bunch of reveals and twists. And for me, I kind of hated it. I don't think—I read it again, I believe like over a year ago at this point, and it, it's easily one of the worst Marvel events I think we've ever had, and I think that in terms of the comics, because I feel like it really treats the scroll stuff as a gimmick and doesn't actually explore— how deep kind of the scroll, scroll infiltration of that can go in our society and moreover. How does it affect people? Instead, it just kind of wanted to have these big reveals of, oh, this person's been a, been a scroll this whole time. And I knew that the MCU wasn't going to go that way. And they didn't, which I appreciate. But at the same time, I don't think they nailed what I really wanted them to do, even though they had, there were times where they really tried to. And that's why I was so excited for the show, because I feel like there was really a promise of that happening. And I feel like it, they didn't really get there. But I will say in terms of positive, this show, for a lot of it, did have a pretty refreshing tone in terms of it's pretty serious. It focuses on, again, just the paranoia of Skrulls infiltrating Earth and, you know, who could be a Skrull and who isn't rather than just centering in on the reveals there. It's more focused about the tension and I really appreciate that and it's a complete, it's complete opposite to how the, how the original uh, series from the uh, late odds were. And I also like that this show does... Feel aimed at an older audience in terms of it really is dialogue centric and I think it's a very different thing for the MCU and I really appreciate that and I will say I think some of the relationships in this show do work mainly the relationship between Nick Fury and Talos until it doesn't and I'll talk about that later and I feel like the actors do a great job Samuel Jackson he's of course great as Nick Fury as he has been now for over um, I guess almost yeah actually over 15 years now And Ben Mendelsohn, I think as the show went on, he got a lot more moments to shine. I actually really liked his performance in the end. I did criticize him in the first episode for being... Felt like he was really phoning it in. I don't know if they shot that at a different time. But I feel like he really found the character more. And played him a lot more like I thought Talos now would act following Captain Marvel. And I really like a lot of what we learned about Nick Fury as just a person. Like his personal life, things he's teased but hidden from the Avengers through the last 15 years there's some great character moments like there's a conversation in particular in episode two between Nick Fury and Rhodey which is easily one of the highlights of the show it has some of the best dialogue of the whole show and I will say some of the dialogue in this show can be very compelling again mostly when it's Talos between Talos and Fury it feels like those scenes are written with a completely different writing team than the entire rest of the show which feels oddly dumbed down and I'll talk about in just a second but yeah, there is a lot to enjoy about this show in terms of I like the tone, I like the feel of it for a lot of it, and some of the character dynamics work. The actors are mostly doing great job. Like there's some great actors on this show, like Kingsley Benadire, Olivia Coleman, multiple Academy Award multiple time Academy Award nominee, Amelia Clark. Obviously, she's great, and Don Cheadle. There's some great actors on this show, and when they're allowed to riff and really act, I think it really works. But. It's the script, I guess the teleplay is what really lets us down because it feels so compromised and so messy all at the same time. Like the story here is so unfocused. Like the main focus of the show is absolutely non-existent and it just can't decide what it wants to be. And because of that, it leads to the show feel like it's meandering from I would say like the halfway mark of episode two when when Fury and Talos split up. When they're in the train. Pretty much all the way up until the end of episode 5. And the weirdest part is there are big things that happen in them. And I'll talk about those in like just a couple of seconds. But I just completely forget they even happen in between episodes. And I, I just generally actively forgot the show was even going on weekly. Because of just how mediocre everything was. But even beyond that. There are big things that happen that at the beginning of the episode and the next episode. I'm actually actually like sometimes confused what's going on. Because... The way the big moments happen at the end of every episode are so forgettable and they're so just anticlimactic that I feel like they leave you with such an empty feeling even though they're supposed to be such big moments. But even beyond that, the story itself, again, it just didn't really feel like it was progressing within the middle three episodes. And the biggest part problem that is something I tease, which is that the show just can't decide what it wants to focus on. Because at first, I thought this show would be about kind of getting rid of the scroll infiltration in our society. And to a degree, it is. Then, very clearly, they were trying to do this kind of rev- refugee perspective on the scrolls and have kind of two different sides of them and have kind of the more uh, aggressive side with graphic side, and then who still wants to follow Talos as the peaceful leader. And I guess that was kind of compelling, I guess. But then it also feels like it's a show that wants to focus on the relationship between Talos and Nick Fury. And by the halfway point of that show, I was sold on that and convinced that's what the show was really about but then Talos dies and we have two episodes of just this plot finally unraveling about the harvest and what Fury has been been hiding and the reason he came back to earth and that's finally revealed and then it kind of feels like the show is actually about Fury becoming Nick Fury again but at the same time by the end of it he ends up making the choice of going back to Saber anyways so I just don't understand exactly what this show wanted like when it comes to show like WandaVision that was clearly about Wanda's grief following Vision's death and it focused in on that and it worked Falcon and Winter Soldier was about Falcon becoming Captain America and it 100 percent told me on that Loki was about just Loki himself and you know I guess in a weird way kind of just finally showing us why he ticks What if, I mean, I guess that doesn't really apply. Hawkeye was about dealing with the consequences on Hawkeye following Endgame, as well as tied into that, him kind of passing the torch, but being a mentor to Kate Bishop. Moon Knight was about finally unraveling Mark's, um, just just his psyche. Miss Marvel was about showing the rise of this character as a hero, and even She-Hulk, to a degree, had a central focus to it. Secret Invasion has like six different things going on that can be described as the central point of the show, and because of that, all of them feel underdeveloped. And another thing about the script that I really. The other thing that really bothered me about the script was just that there's such wonky writing on the show and just such sloppy mistakes that shouldn't be made at kind of the high level of production that the MCU is able to do. In terms of just silly moments that shouldn't happen in a show like this because they feel so thoughtless in their execution. Like, there's just moments in the show where Nick Fury is having, like, a heart-to-heart, but then it's revealed that's not exactly what's going on. And it just feels like that would have been a great character moment, but then they sacrifice it just to have kind of this bombshell reveal and a big CGI battle. And moreover, like, in the finale and in the penultimate episode, like, the President of the United States has no security... Like, it's one of the most baffling things I've ever seen. And I just don't understand how mistakes that silly and that easy to fix. And even beyond that, just just the way scenes play out, a lot of them feel like they have no purpose. And I don't understand how they were okay releasing scenes that just felt so undercooked in, in a show like this. And moving beyond that, and speaking of undercooked, is the villain in Gravic, portrayed by Kingsley Benedier, who I've heard from other people has given many great performances before. I'm not as familiar with his work. But I feel like Gravic, looking back, did start off with with a promising motivation that I feel like it would have been easy to tie into a part of the central theme of the show, and that is Nick Fury not keeping his promise and kind of the consequences, dealing with the consequences of that, which is another thing the show tries to talk about, but then doesn't go into it enough but it's never shown or explored. The only way we actually learn Gravik's motivation is firstly in the second last episode, more than that, I feel like in the last 10 minutes of the penultimate episode. And we learned that it's because Nick Fury not only didn't give him his home, but the reason Fury wants to come back and stop Gravik is because he's the one who sent Gravik on a mission to collect the harvest, which is all the DNA of all the Avengers, which how they mesh together into one person, I have no idea. and That's another problem with the big finale in this show. It's never showed. It's shown in an ex- it's explained in an exposition scene rather than shown, and Gravik himself never even really admits that. And I feel like it was such an odd way to have a villain, and by the end he just kind of turns into a Power Rangers style shrieking baddie, like he's just yelling all the time. And even then, all his I feel like his characteristics just changed episode to episode. Where at times he was someone who was very dedicated to his his scrawls but then at all the times he's just completely out for himself like I didn't really understand what they were trying to do and I feel like how we grew throughout the show didn't make much sense and moving on from it I didn't really feel the stakes of this show I felt like they were always very low and it was trying to make you know this big epic conclusion and it just felt like this would never have any consequences and when it comes to the finale itself, it's pretty god-awful in just about every way. And it might even be the worst Marvel Disney Plus finale so far. At least it doesn't destroy the fabric of the universe the, day, the way the She-Hulk finale did. But at the same time, I guess it kind of does. Because it makes a character in Amelia Clark's Gaia the most powerful being in the entire MCU without even giving it a second thought. It felt like the writers of this show completely glossed over the fact. It felt like Kevin Feige completely missed it. And I don't know what really happened here, but I don't really quite realize the gravity of what's actually going on for the wider universe. And they don't even throw something in there like, oh, she only gets her powers for an hour. No. She now now officially has the powers of pretty much every MCU hero who fought near Avengers Compound in the Battle of Earth in Avengers Endgame, which is absolutely insane to think about. They don't even think about that. But the biggest problem with that, it just turns into another silly CGI fight. And here... I say I call it silly because it feels so out of place with the tone of the show and I mean the VFX look terrible but that's kind of a given at this point if you're going to do something that that just ambitious from a VFX standpoint in a a Disney Plus show so I'm not too surprised I'm not even going to complain too much about that it just feels like it just goes back to the dumbed down MCU stuff that I feel like there were points of the show that we really did a great job of avoiding But unfortunately, it was just so generic. And this show, I don't think committed to being a full-on adult drama as much as it should have to reach its full potential. Because again, like I said, there is promise with the premise of this show and kind of exploring what the scrolls have done to Earth since they've been here. And then even then, they would try to have these reveals in the finale, which didn't seem very satisfying. It kind of falls into the exact same Disney Plus trap, where we have literally had like a 29-minute finale, if you discount all the... Opening credits, the open, the opening Marvel logo, the end credits, and it's rushed, and more. It just has some really bad moments of execution and really silly writing, like I talked. about. But the, just this final fight, the ideas of it are so silly. All the, just I don't really understand whose idea it was to make it like that, and I don't even understand how Kevin Feige was okay with having a character, so powerful now exist in the universe. And there's just so much wasted potential in this finale too. Like, they set up this idea of the Skrull and Kree Peace, Peace Treaty, which is a big plot point that happened in Captain Marvel. We learned they've been in a war, which they also have been in the comics for a very long time. And they throw that idea in there, and it's like, why wasn't this show focused a bit on that and having kind of this more spy feel in, in space as well as on Earth? And moreover, it shows the U.S. government pretty much creating chaos through the different warnings they're giving with the Skrulls. Like, why wasn't that the plot of the show? Like, shouldn't the plot of the show be Nick Fury trying to show that not everybody not everybody's gone and sniff out all the bad ones and stop people from being murdered like they tease in the final finale of the episode? Like, that could have been a plot of at least half the show, and there's so much going on that why not also throw that in there and replace some of the other stuff that didn't make much sense, in my personal opinion. And I feel like this show also completely fumbles kind of the Scrawl refugee al- allegory they're trying to do, with the Talos and Gravik side of each I don't really know what they were fully thinking with this but the way they try to create a metaphor out of the way kind of t- Talos and Gravik each reacted to Nick Fury not keeping his promise and then also the Skrulls that now don't have a home like I felt like it was just a complete mess I don't really understand what they were doing and I feel like it was a complete fumbling the bag kind of moment and this show to me just screams of a show that was chopped up in the edit bay now when it comes to the show, admittedly, we've been hearing from scoopers and insiders for years that this show's development wasn't going the best in terms of they had to go back and reshoot it so many times, which is why the trailer for the show came out almost a year ago and still we weren't close to coming out. I mean, also it was D23, but still. And they've just been constantly changing stuff. They started production, I believe, almost two and a half years ago now. And everything that happens in the show screams of a show that was just constantly chopped up and messed up within reshot. Because there are things in the show that feel like they're not a big part that eventually do become a big part. And the biggest one for me is Amelia Clark's character of Gaia. Now, again, Amelia Clark is a very talented actress. And if you're going to cast an MCU, use her well. And this show, I don't think, really did. Because clearly, it felt like her role in the show not only got bigger as the show went on in a way that I feel like wasn't set up in the first few episodes, it didn't really feel like that was what they had planned all along. And again, I like Emily Clark as an actress, but it felt like her character was so hard to root for because she was on Gravick's side at the beginning and her sudden turn in episode one not only felt un- underdeveloped, like the way her character kept flip-flopping back and forth and even her reaction to certain, certain what Talos was saying, like there's one conversation in episode four, I believe, which I don't think worked at all on a thematic or character level. And I feel like the lack of focus of this show is why it was so easily malleable in this part and why it just seems such like such a mess. And even the relationship between Nick Fury and his wife, um, Vara, which is her name or Priscilla, I don't know, it depends what the name you want to use. There is, there's interesting stuff dropped in there, like how Nick Fury's not, not around very often, but she stayed at their home anyways. And they want to have this kind of emotional payoff in the finale of finally her growing up to the, her helping Fury in the, talks and they even tease the fact that she's a very prominent member of in the scrolls in terms of being wanting to keep the peace and stuff but they don't like they leave it until the finale it felt like they kind of forgot about that until the finale they wanted to throw something in there I feel like in a different version of the show there was a lot more of her and who she is who she was to the Skrulls as a whole and it felt like they didn't really get into that and didn't even mention that until the finale so and I don't even think their relationship is very well explored and again that's another aspect which I feel like even in another version, as much as she might have had a bigger role, in a very clear different version, she could have just not been in the show at all, and I don't even think the show changes that much at all, and even the episode one times get shorter and shorter, like the first two episodes, I believe, are close to 50 minutes, if not longer, and then every episode since it has been like 30 to 35 minutes without credits, and I don't even, again, that I also think is probably a consequence of them constantly editing with this show, and Having a very clear beginning, they know where they want to start. And looking back, I do think they definitely knew where they wanted to start. But they not really knowing where they wanted to go with the story. And that's why I think it ended up being so unfocused. Because they wanted to stuff as much in there as possible. To hide the fact that this show almost feels completely superfluous within the MCU. But also, the story itself, there almost feels like nothing much changes by the end. Now we're going to get into the biggest reveal of the show in terms of just having consequences for the MCU. And a character we've known for a long time. And that is the reveal that Rhodey has been a Skrull, at least since the end of the the end of Avengers Endgame, obviously, but more likely because of the way they leave off since Captain America: Civil War, which in MCU timeline, I believe, that is eight, if not nine, if not ten years. So I'll get into my thoughts in just a second, but I find it so odd that. They ended up going in this direction because I feel like it was actually more predictable that he would would end up being a scrawl, and then not. Because as soon as you introduce Rhodey in this show, and we've known he was going to be in the show, I believe, for almost three years now. As soon as you have him, and he's the only Avenger in this show, again, because he has a very high position in the United States government, which I accept. But at the same time, if he's the only Avenger in this show, what other purpose would you ever be bringing him on for? other than to end up having this big kind of Scooby-Doo reveal that he's a Skrull. Because there's no one else you can do that with and be satisfied. It felt like they just chose the Avenger, who admittedly the audience does have probably the least attachment to, and just wanted to have at least one of those big Skrull reveals. And I find it absolutely hilarious that where it was there was actually a point where people actually thought there was a chance that Steve Rogers or Tony Stark or Bruce Banner could have actually been revealed. To be a scroll and have it be satisfying and like I've been saying ever since that people have been saying that not only would Marvel Studios not do that because we've known those characters for so long it is just so unsatisfying as an audience member and I felt that even with a character like Rhodey and I'm gonna straight up admit I don't think Rhodey's that great of a character because the MCU and the writers who, who have him in the movies just don't give him enough even in Endgame when it felt like he finally got some time to shine he was the character that stood out the least. And even when he went, she, she, she went on a mission with Nebula into Morag, where Peter Quill gets the orb, Nebula's place and what was going on her was way more interesting than having Rhodey there, even though we, we've already seen Nebula interact with the Guardians. And back in Iron Man 2, pretty much ever since Terrence Howard left the role, and I do actually think Don Cheadle is better for the role than Terrence Howard, I just don't think that... I just haven't been convinced that this character actually has a big place in the MCU, and it, with this, even with that, I was really unsatisfied that they decided to make him a squirrel. And moreover, I just don't understand what their thinking was in terms of having that little moment at the end where Gaia takes uh, saves him, and then he comes out. But he has, but he pretty much comes out in kind of like a lab vest, and he's clearly just been operated on, probably after you know. Uh, Vision's you know beam thing hit him because Sam went out the way and since then he, obviously he's had kind of a disability to walk but at the same time this episode very much hinted at the fact that he's been a scrawlit ever since the time. so basically he missed the death of what I guess the MCU claims to be one of his best friends and Tony Stark but I don't think they've convinced me of that so he missed Tony Stark's death and that roadie at the end of Endgame who you know was one of the only people who we actually got to see, you know, go up to Tony Stark in his dying moments. That wasn't Rhodey, and I feel like that's just such an unsatisfying thought to think about. And Even worse, they don't show t- Rhodey's reaction to that, the fact that he finds out Tony dies. And I'm assuming they might save this for Armor Wars, but it's such a big character reveal to just leave the audience on, probably for at least another three or four years. We don't have a release date for that movie. And they're just probably not going to show. I don't know if Kevin Feige just forgot like the ramifications of what could happen. if This was revealed, but none of it is explored because there's only six episodes and you don't have time to do anything. So, yeah, overall, I wasn't really a fan of Secret Invasion. Again, there was some potential with the premise. I liked Nick Fury. I liked some of the actors. I like some of the moments with him and whenever it focused on him, it's the strongest point of the show. But I felt like the script was compromised, the villain was pretty weak, the stakes felt really low for how big this event should have been, and it all culminated in a finale, which to me was pretty terrible. And there's just, again, things that happen in the show that just feel so sloppy, and just like such a misstep in terms of stuff that you just can't expect a studio as big as Disney to be making. So I don't know if this is quite the worst Marvel Disney Plus show, because She-Hulk came out last year. But this is easily bottom three if we're ranking the shows. I'm going to give Secret Invasion a C-. And like I said at the beginning, I can't really recommend this show. I just recommend you sit out this one and skip it. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll catch you all next time. Bye-bye.